I think that we all have a common experience in awkward conversations. I don't think anybody in this room or if you're watching online, I don't think any of us have not yet had an awkward conversation. Now, awkward conversations can happen for a number of reasons. Uh, You can have awkward content. In other words, you're just really uncomfortable with the with the topic of the conversation or with the content of the conversation. Or maybe you're comfortable when it starts, but it just goes left and you were thinking that conversation was going right and all of a sudden you're at a place where you're going, oh man, this is just really awkward. Uh, maybe the volume has been awkward for you. Have you ever been on an elevator and someone is talking in like their outdoor voice? And you're thinking, man, I'm literally four inches from you. you. You don't have to talk that loud. That's an awkward conversation. Because I'm not even thinking about what's being said. All I can think about is, can, can you just bring it down a notch? Uh, maybe the awkward conversation for you has been the abrupt ending. Have you ever been on the phone with someone? And they say, oh my goodness, I got to call you back. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Click. Has that ever happened to you before? It's like the jolting ending of a conversation. Or uh, in our house, I was sharing at the 9 a.m. service at our house, when we had small kids, perhaps not so much anymore, although some, but when we had small kids, conversations, boom, they would stop on a dime. My back is to the kids, Crystal's talking to me, and all of a sudden she just stops mid-sentence and walks right by me. I'm like, Hello? But I can tell by her eyes that she's terrified something's going on with the kids. They've got matches or something. You know what I mean? And, and, and she's got to stop the conversation and go. Now, whatever the reason is that you have had some type of awkward conversation, you may be wondering, what is this about? This is supposed to be preaching from the Bible. Here's the thing. We're about to look at a passage this morning. It's in Acts. It's the first 11 verses of the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I believe... And I'm saying this to you up front so that you can think to yourself as we read the text this morning, I think that's how the disciples felt. I think that when Jesus was on earth, and if you have your notes this morning, take a look at it because I gave you a couple of important definitions. The first definition I gave you is the ascension. That is the moment in Jesus's life. We're about to look at this moment. It's the moment in Jesus's life where he had been crucified, he had been buried, he had already been resurrected, he had already conquered death, and he ascends into the throne room of heaven. That's what we're looking at this morning. I think the disciples felt a little bit like what we're talking about. Well, wait a second, that's an abrupt ending to the conversation. I have more questions. I need more information. I need more teaching. Nope, Jesus ended the conversation. He didn't hang up the phone. He didn't walk past them. He went up. And the second definition that you have in front of you this morning is when he comes back. We call that the parousia, the parousia. And the angels are going to be talking about that this morning. And so the reason that I ask you to orient yourself to awkward conversations where it ends abruptly and you are left feeling like there's got to be more to be said is because I just think 
That's how the disciples felt. Look with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 1. If you're a guest this morning, we welcome you. If you don't have a Bible, please let us give you a Bible. We'd love to give you one. If you're online with us, we, we still would love to give you a copy of the Bible if you don't use your phone or some other digital way. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 this morning. If you're a guest today, we invite you to come back. We do want you to know every week that we worship together, we study the Word of God because we do believe that it is the Word of God. And this morning we're looking in the first 11 verses of the book of Acts. Here's what God's Word says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We're in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's the ascension. All right, verse 9 is the ascension. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And that is the second coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Do you know that? Do you know that he's coming back? In your notes this morning, I've given you where that definition is. I've given you a passage of scripture. If you want to go back and look at it, if you're online at the homepage of our website, you can get the notes as well. But this morning, before we start talking about the continuing work of Jesus or why we're studying the continuing work of Jesus, I want to ask you this really important question. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Now, these angels say just as clearly as they could possibly say it to these disciples, men of Galilee, why are you staring into heaven? In the same way that Jesus went into heaven, he's coming back. And I just want to ask you this question. Are you ready for him to come back? Now, I've studied every place that it's discussed in the word of God. Here, 1 Thessalonians, a number of other places, it doesn't say when. Did you know that? And anybody who writes a book and tries to tell you that they can predict when Jesus is coming back, they're just trying to make a buck. They can't tell you. We don't know when. But listen to me. If the angels are saying to the disciples, Jesus is coming back the same way that he went, then I'm telling you this morning, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for his return. 
As some of us this morning online or here in person, we may be struggling with the things of God. We may be struggling with the things that the Bible teaches or or we may be at this place in our life where you don't know yet, do I want to give my life to Jesus? Is this is this stuff really true? How do you say it other than to say it that way? Is this stuff really true? I think that's a fair question for anybody searching for truth. And if you're online or you're here in this room today, I want you to understand that we understand that people ask the question, is this stuff really true? Here's the thing about the Christian faith. It's verifiable. Do you know the people in your life who have said, you just have to believe it by blind faith? And don't question it at all. They love you, but they're wrong. You can ask questions about the Christian faith. In fact, if you would, go back and look with me in the scripture. I want to show you something this morning before we start talking about the continuing ministry of Jesus. I want you to look at something. I want you to look right at the very beginning of what we looked at this morning, starting in verse 1 and in verse 2. It says in verse 3, it says that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering. Look at that phrase, by many proofs. The authors of the New Testament understood that people are going to have questions about whether or not this stuff is historically accurate, whether or not this is stuff that I can believe in, whether or not this is a Christian faith that is actually really real, or if it's just one of the hundreds of religions that have been tossed out into the world by other people. Here it says that there are proofs. Jesus presented himself post-resurrection, walked out of the tomb, conquered death, he presented himself. He proved to people that he was who he said he was. Now, we'll move on, but I just want to make this point for you. If that is you, here, online, watching video later, I want you to know that the fellowship is a safe place for you to work that out. We want to resource you to get answers. At the bottom of your notes, you will see three resources. If you're struggling with whether or not did Jesus actually for real, really, really real walk out of the tomb, I encourage you to go and and watch these videos. Go to YouTube, do a simple search. Those three simple searches will take you to some videos, six-minute videos apiece, perfect for my time span, attention span. And they'll talk with you about why it is that we believe that it is historically accurate to believe that Jesus actually conquered death. I encourage you to go look at that if you need to. So the reason that we mention it is because Jesus said he offered many proofs to them. And we want you to know it's okay to need to look into this matter. I just encourage you to look into the matter because the more you look into the historical reliability of the scripture and of the New Testament and of the resurrection, the more you'll be convinced that this is real. This is real. Now this morning we're talking about the continuing work of Jesus, however, and the reason that we're studying the continuing work of Jesus is first of all, it's exciting. And, and I love to preach on things that are exciting. I, I, I get excited about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope that you get excited as well. It's an exciting thing to think about that while we're waiting for Jesus to return, his ministry continues in the here and now. In 2021, 
ministry is still happening according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's exciting. That's why we study it. But we also study it because it has a personal impact to our everyday lives. And we'll talk about that as the message goes on. But another reason that we study the continuing work of Jesus is for people who are not yet followers of Jesus. You see, I don't pretend that everybody watching or everybody here this morning has given their life over to Christ. I know that there are many people here, maybe watching online, who believe that God exists, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, believe that Jesus died on the cross, believe that he rose again, and believe that God can forgive them of their sins. And yet, they still haven't given their life to Christ. They still haven't given their life to the Lord Jesus. They haven't received salvation. They can define salvation. They can talk about salvation. They can discuss it. They know where it talks about it in the Bible, but they've never received it. So the reason that I want for us to talk this morning about the continuing work of Jesus is because for those people who have not yet entered the kingdom of God, I want you to understand some things about the kingdom of God. I want you, so to speak, to to know what you're getting into this morning. So let's get into it. Let's get into the continuing work of Jesus. As we wait for him, the continuing work of Jesus... There's three specific things that we want to make a mention about this morning. The first is that it's through his followers. And, and, and we say that sentence so fast, but we need to pause on it because this is huge in the kingdom of God. The continuation of the ministry of Jesus is through the followers. The followers of Jesus. You and me. We are the ones that continue the work of Jesus. Now, it's his work. It's his agenda. It's his will. It's his way. It's his strategy. It's his vision. But it's through his people. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you would, go back and look with me. Notice the way that the ministry continues. God's word says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Who? Us. We are the ones who continue the work of ministry for Jesus. You see, Jesus, geographically speaking is in the throne room of heaven. Scripture says he sits at the right hand of the Father and he actually intercedes. He prays for us, for you and for me, for all of us. Scripture says Jesus makes intercession for us. And so if Jesus were to drop a pin in Google Maps so that we knew where he was, it would be in heaven. Jesus is in heaven as we speak and yet his ministry continues. And how does it continue? That's what Jesus answers in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It continues through his followers. And what is it that we do? We're witnesses. This is the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. It is not complex. Anybody can understand what we do in the kingdom of God. We're just simply witnesses, which means we report what we have seen and heard. That's all we have to do. So if you own a business and you want to be used for the kingdom of God, or if you're at school or or you're at work or in your home or on your block, all you have to do is to be a witness. 
Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And many of you do a great job with that. I just want to affirm so many of you who are great witnesses and people come for the first time to the fellowship and I say, oh, well, do you know anybody here? Oh, I know somebody. Yeah, I was at this place or that place and I ran into them and they invited me. See, you know what it means to be a witness. And I'm just so thankful that it's not complex. These are our instructions for following Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Here's how we get this, a little confused and twisted. I want you to look back in verse six and I want you to notice what the disciples say to Jesus. They say, Jesus, is it at this time that you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And Jesus says, um, well, no, what's going to happen is you are going to go be my witnesses. Do you see the subtle change? The disciples are thinking that Jesus is about to do something, and Jesus says, please don't misunderstand. You're the one that's going to go into the world and make a difference. Wow. I not only am saved by grace and participate in the kingdom of God and have the privilege of being your brother in Christ and celebrate all the goodness of God, I get to be a part of the kingdom pushing forward because I go out and be a witness for Jesus wherever I'm at, on my street, with my neighbors with the people that I run into at the grocery store, with the people that I talk to on a day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month basis. No, the, the kingdom of God, the ministry of Jesus continues through the followers of Jesus. And before we move on, I just want, I just want you to check in with yourself. Get your temper, take your temperature this morning. How do I feel about that? Am I really excited about that? Am I a little nervous about that? Am I really afraid about that? But when you hear Jesus say to the disciples, listen, I want you to go and be my witnesses. How do you respond to that? I get excited. Maybe it's something that's terrifying for you because you don't know how to be a witness. We want to help you be a witness. What do we know about the continuing work of Jesus? Well, the first thing that we know already is that the continuing work of Jesus is through the followers of Jesus. The second thing that we know is that it's by God's power. I don't have to supply the muscle, in other words. I just have to show up. All my job is, is to step into the darkness and be a witness for what God has done in my life. I don't have to be the power. I don't have to be the strength. I don't even have to be the brains. I just have to be willing to step into a situation and be a witness to the goodness and the power and the glory of God. Praise God. I don't have to have the strength. In fact, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will go be my witnesses. Power. We don't have to have the strength in and of ourselves. Listen, student. You don't have to have the power in and of yourself. You just have to be willing to step into those places where the gospel needs to be 
uh, witnessed to and, and be available. You just have to be prepared to step in and be available. And, and I say that to the students, but for those of you at jobs, I say the same for you. You don't have to supply the strength. God supplies the strength. Amen. We just have to be willing to step into that moment and say, I want to be a witness for Jesus. I'm an eyewitness. I'm an ear witness to his transforming power because I experienced it. And it is the power of God. A couple of things about the power of God. I want you to notice You know, the disciples say, is it at this time, verse 6, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, Bible students, you know that they're still thinking this is going to be a military campaign, right? Like Jesus is going to set up the throne in Israel and and kick the Romans out of there. And so they're talking about, Jesus, are, are you about to gather your army and we're going to go to war against the Romans? But I want you to notice something else. Jesus in verse 7 says, listen, it's not for you to possess the knowledge about what is going to happen. You just need to possess my power so that you can be a witness in the here and now. What does that mean? The continuing work of Jesus doesn't depend on our knowledge. It depends on his power. That's so freeing for me. Can I just tell you how freeing that is for me? That I just have to be willing to step into dark places and be a witness for Jesus. He supplies the power. It's not about all the stuff that I know. And it's not about all the stuff that you know. I'm sure it's a lot. It's just about the power of God working through us to be a witness for Jesus. Here's the question, though. Why do we need power to simply be a witness. If all I have to do is to report what I've seen, what I've heard, what's happened to me, why do I need the power of God for that? I just do that. Think about that for a second. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is verse eight. And you will be my witnesses. Why do we need the power of God to just be a witness? I thought about that a lot. You know, I've been getting ready for preaching through the book of Acts for a while now, and I've been thinking about this opening question. Why do we need power from on high to be a witness? Hmm. Here's what I've come up with. And I'm going to tell you why I need the power of God to be a witness. For you, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? <laughs> but I need the power of God in my life Because I need a perpetual and holy focus on what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I chase squirrels like you wouldn't believe. I get distracted. I lose my focus. I I get upset over this. and, and, And I get laser focused on that. And this grabs my attention. Listen, I need the power of God to remind me on a daily basis that my primary job on this place we call earth is to be a witness for Jesus and nothing else. I need focus. And I'm telling you that it takes the power of almighty God to keep me focused. And I'm not embarrassed to say that because all these things flash in front of our face always, forever, we have distractions. And I want to be serious about my witness. 
I want to really get to the end of my days and people stand over my grave and say, he loved Jesus. That's what he's known for. I want to be a witness and I need the power of God to put in me this holy focus so that I don't lose sight. So that I don't lose sight. I also need the power of God in my life because there are passionate oppositions to the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world today. Now, you know that I love you. I say this with gentleness and in Christian love, but if you don't know that there is passionate opposition to the gospel, you are living under a rock. Amen? There's opposition to the gospel. And I have to remember that when I open my mouth with joy and excitement to talk about the difference that God has made in my life, how he saved me and redeemed me and gave me hope and filled me with life and gave me purpose and called me to ministry and and did all of these incredible things in my life. I have to remember that when I open my mouth to say that and I say it with joy and hope and excitement, it's not always received that way. Because there are people who stand against the gospel And just as soon as I put a smile on my face and say, Jesus changed my life. He is the way and the truth and the life. People get offended. Who are you to judge me? Tell me that I need a savior. Tell me that just because you believe in a specific religion that everybody else has to believe in that religion or they're going to go to hell. Well, Frankly, that's what the Bible says. It's not my thoughts. But I need the power of God because those people are intimidating. Can I just say that out loud? Those people. And when I say those, I don't mean as though they're the enemy. And maybe you're here today and that's where you're at. Listen, I don't think you're an enemy. I'm just telling you that when people are passionately opposed to the gospel, it can be intimidating. And it can cause us to think, well, I won't say that again around that person. No, that's exactly what they need. They need to hear the gospel. But it is intimidating. And I'm just telling you, all right? I need the power of God to continue to give me the courage and the grace and the compassion to stick with it. Because it's not about how I feel. It's about that person needing to clearly understand the gospel. I don't want to argue with them. I don't want to turn them off to the gospel. Yeah, I, I don't want to do anything that would cause them to not want to come to Christ. I need the power of God to be a witness. Because I need focus. And because there are people who are passionately and aggressively opposed to the gospel. But I also need God's power because I long for supernatural results. I just want you to know this. I don't share my witness with people so they're educated or more. Oh, well, God worked mightily in Zach's life. That's great. Let's give him a golf clap. <laughs> no. I want them 
experience the same thing. I want their life to change. When we are witnesses for people, it's not just so that they're educated. It's so that they will be transformed. Listen, that is only by the power of God at work in people's life will anybody be transformed. You can share your story and your testimony and your witness, but without the power of God, transformation will not happen. Information might happen. Education might happen. But transformation happens when the power of God is at work. So that's why I need the power of God as I seek to be a witness because I get uh, unfocused. I lack focus. I need God to keep me focused. And that's why we need the power of God. The continuing work of Jesus is through the followers of Jesus. It's by God's power. And the third thing, before we try to do some uh, personal application, the third thing is this about the continuing work of Jesus. It's for all people everywhere. I think you probably picked this up when we were looking in God's word. If you don't, look back with me if you would. And I just want you to notice this, Acts chapter 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, which was right where they were, in Jerusalem, in Judea, a little bit wider out, Samaria, a little bit further out. And then Jesus just wraps it up and puts a bow on it and says, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus says. So what Jesus is saying is, you're going to receive power when you have the Spirit of God come upon you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the day of Pentecost and what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that's what Jesus is talking about. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power. Power to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses where you are now and a little further out and a little further out and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. That is Who needs the witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? The continuing work of Jesus is for everyone, everywhere. Billions with a B in 2021 still have never heard the name of Jesus. You could go to a person and say the name of Jesus in their own language and they would say, who is that? What is that about? You see, we have a lot of work to do on the missions front. And and I hope that you think that we talk about missions a lot because I hope that we will continue to be a missions church Because you cannot separate in the Bible. You can't read the story of God and not see the heart of God for nations. Now, to be clear, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in in proximity to where you are now. So we have a burning agenda to reach people in Easton and Bristol County and this region. I, I don't want to diminish that, but we can't. As we focus on that, lose sight of the fact that there are billions of people who have never heard the name of Jesus either. It's a both and. It's not an either or. The continuing work of Jesus is through followers 
by his power and for all people everywhere. That is our assignment. And I, like the disciples, can really appreciate that sense of, wait a second, Jesus left too soon, right? The conversation ended too soon. He just said, uh, and you'll be my witnesses to, to the ends of the earth. And then that conversation was over and he ascended and that was it. And, and then the disciples were off to the races. Like that's the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples. But it was enough. Because he told them exactly what faithfulness looked like. Be my eyewitnesses. Tell people what's happened to you. Be a witness for me. By my power. And take this good news to everybody, everywhere. Is it complex? No. We all can comprehend that. Maybe a little tough, but it's not complex. What do we do with this? In your notes, you see that there's a closing section. Practical responses, perhaps it's called. What do we do with this? I want to share with you perhaps three actions that we can take that would successfully take the truth of God's word, apply it to our life, and give expression in this moment in your life on what it looks like to actually do that. The first is this. Proclaim your devotion to Jesus. That's always the first step. It is always the first step in the kingdom of God that you make sure that you, in fact, are a child of God. That it's not that you believe in the existence of God or that you think that Jesus died for your sins, but that you've actually received him as your Lord and Savior. That, that having peace with God is not something that you know about. It's something that you have. That a relationship with God isn't something that you've read about in the scripture that Pastor Zach talks about. It's something that you have. Proclaiming your devotion to Jesus is step one. And if you've never made that step, this is your day. There's no reason to not give your life to Jesus this morning. You know, I asked at the beginning of the message, are you ready for him to return? I want to help you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never proclaimed your devotion or your allegiance to him, you are not ready for him to return. That's the first step. And I, I plead with you this morning. I will literally beg you to not leave this building until you have crossed the threshold of believing in God to having peace with God because you've placed your faith in Jesus. Because you've turned from your old life and you've said, Jesus, Today I proclaim my devotion to you. My faith is in you. My hope is in you. That's a practical step. If you haven't made that step yet, I invite you to do that online. If you're sitting in your living room right now, I want you to understand something very clear. You don't have to come to this building to give your life to Jesus. You can do it right where you are, and I invite you to do that. If you're watching this as a playback, it's not even live anymore. I want you to know that whatever date it is and whatever time of the day it is, right now is a moment that you can give your life to Jesus Christ and have peace with him. I invite you to do that. 
Some of you would say this morning, and I know because I know your testimony, you would say, I've already done that, Pastor. Now what? Great question. We've got two to go. Number two, protect your identity. Now, we talked a lot this morning about witness and the fact that that means that you are an eyewitness or an ear witness. You are a witness to the glory and majesty and power of Jesus. That is our primary function in this world. Have you ever wondered why when you become a Christian, God doesn't just take you right to heaven? Like you don't just die immediately and go to heaven or, or maybe you didn't even have to die. Like maybe as soon as you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, boom, right up. Why not? Here's why. Because the world needs a witness. And I want to plead with you to protect that witness. Because I don't think I'm the only one who struggles with focus. I think that a lot of us struggle with focus. And, and if you do, you don't have to be embarrassed by it. But I think we need to own it. Here's what I would say. I joke about being old. I know that I'm not old. I'm 40. I'm older. I'm not old. I know that many of you are older than I am. You've seen a lot more than I've seen. Some of you are younger. You see my gray hair. You think I'm a decrepit old man. Like whatever, right? I've, I've lived 40 years. I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot, okay? Here's what I would say. 2020 has been a year like no other. Captain Obvious, right? And yet, we, people who are serious about the gospel, even in the madness, craziness, turmoil, sickness, pandemic, racial unrest, Confusion at church over mask and social distancing and all of that stuff. One of the most tension-filled presidential elections ever, in my opinion. Last week, the certification and all that went with it with protests and storming of the Capitol... I'm going to tell you something with love. I mean this with sincere love. A lot of us got close to losing focus that our job is to be a witness for Jesus. And I want to tell you that. We can't let anything stop us from protecting our identity as a witness to Jesus Christ. Now, I know that this stuff is important. I know that last week was important. I know that the election was important. I know that the pandemic is important. I know that racial relationships are important. I know that all of the things that we have been through are important. I'm not downplaying them. But in this world, what the world needs to see 
is what it looks like to be a witness for Jesus in the middle of all of those important things. Not that we ignore them, not that we scoff at them like they don't matter, but that we creatively find a way to be a witness for Jesus in them. I don't need to win an argument and close somebody off to the gospel. I want people to love Jesus. That's what I want. And and so just hear me. I'm not saying that how you felt last week or the week before that or this past year is illegitimate. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying that if you are a follower of Jesus, that's your primary identity And for the sake of your spiritual health and for the sake of honoring Jesus and for the sake of a lost and broken world that is marching headlong as quick as they can towards hell, we need to protect our identity of being a witness for Jesus Christ. That's what we can do. We can proclaim our devotion to Jesus. We can protect our identity and... We can practice our identity. I submit to you this question. Just something for you to think over as we get ready to close and we go from here and you go to do whatever it is that you're going to do this afternoon. When is the last time you were a witness to somebody for Jesus Christ? Yeah, I believe that everyone, you, on, you guys online and, and here in the worship uh, center, all of us, those of you who are students in school, those of you who are in the workforce, those of you who are post-workforce and you're in retirement, you're in the golden years, here's what I think. We all know someone who needs to see or hear a witness to what the kingdom of God looks like. So I don't think any of us would be able to say truly, there's nobody for me to witness to. I believe we all have someone. You may be saying this morning, I don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm gonna give you this, just very practical helps very quickly and then we'll pray. Spend some time in the presence of God just praying and responding to what it is that he has shared with us in his word this morning. But if you're thinking this morning, I don't know, How to be a witness, I'm going to give you some just very practical pieces of advice. One, if you have a social media account, redeem it. And and look at your social media accounts as an opportunity for you to talk about the goodness of God in your life. Another way to do it is to reach out to just an individual uh, probably right now, if you wanted to, you could write down the name of somebody that you know, you're an acquaintance with, you're a friend with, you're a relative with, whatever. But they need to know about the goodness of God in your life. And just connect with them. And say, you, <laughs> Ethan, do you know we've been friends for five years and I just realized I've never told you about how I became a follower of God. I believe that if you have a friend or a loved one in your life that has never heard your story about how you started following Jesus, they deserve to know. They deserve to know that story. So you've got social media, you've got one-on-one, 
Another thing that you can do that really helps people be exposed to the things of God is bring them to church. Expose them to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that can be scary. Let them see how we sing to Jesus. Let them hear the word of God being taught. Bring them to church. If you're our online church family, send them a link. Help them. Just help them. But be a witness. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And as you stand, let's bow together to pray together. If you're new to the fellowship, this is kind of a time where we give you time and space to think about what you've heard and to listen for God to direct you in a response. It's just kind of a quiet and meditative time for you to really maybe make up your mind on what your next steps are. But if you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, here's the moment. This is the moment where between you and God, you can just say, Jesus, by faith, I'm stepping out into the unknown. I want to receive your life and your forgiveness. And I want to walk with you, God. And if you'd be willing to say that to God this morning for the first time, my request would be for you and I to talk after the service because I want to rejoice with you in your decision. I want to give you some resources that will help you grow spiritually. But what about you, brother or sister? Have you been protecting your identity? through our past year? Are you the most known for being a witness to Jesus? Maybe that's what needs to come into alignment for you. Maybe you need to practice. Maybe you feel inside of you right now that your assignment before Monday rolls around is that you would be a witness Father, how I love these people, my brothers and my sisters, my friends. We together collectively just bow our head and say that your word is so amazing, so appropriately relevant, catches us right in that moment of our life that we need to hear from you, God. We confess your faithfulness to continue to speak through your word. We celebrate your faithfulness for continuing to speak through your word. Thank you, God. We ask for courage to take our next steps whether it be giving our life to you or protecting our identity or sharing our witness. 
We need your power, God. We confess it. We don't hide it. And we are so thankful that you give us your power to be witnesses in all of the earth. Help us to do it and to do it well, God, for our sake, for your glory, for the hope of the nations. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.